0: If you could just take us back to when the bank first made this offer and, of course, how it was received by the victims.
1: Okay, so basically, after the actual events the robberies in 2016, December and then New Year's, I'd say about three or four months after that, uh, FNB decided to start settlement um, negotiations, and they asked everyone to bring in what evidence they had, They had assessors come and interview everyone and then they went and sat down and worked it out. We never found out exactly how or um, they came to the office and then the office were it wasn't 20% across the board. I think it's, um, that needs to be clarified. It, was, it varied depending on the person um, and what branch they were from, what evidence they had and that kind of thing. But in general, the offers were um, very low in our opinion. Um, not reasonable um, considering how much was lost and how um, there could have been measures put in place to prevent this from happening. So... Yeah, some offers were 20%, some were 16%, some were five, some were zero. So um, we don't know what the average was, but in general, they weren't reasonable.
0: So uh, Kelly, would you say during that time uh, was there sufficient consultation taking place uh, between the victims and the bank?
1: Um, We had one or two discussions with them, but uh, when it came to the final result, it was uh, the final settlement offers. It was a take-it-or-leave-it type of situation. It was, we've come to this amount, and if it was queried, they said there's no discussion around it. Um, We can't tell you how we came to this amount or what our decisions are based on. So I think there was a lot of communication lacking in that sense.
0: And uh, we then uh, received uh, this communication from uh, FNB where they released a statement saying they've received summons from an attorney representing approximately 60 customers. So uh, talk to us about this, uh, because uh, before uh, the uh, settlement offer, uh, was there not um, an amount of 121 million rand that was being mentioned that the bank was being sued for uh, in terms of damages? What happened to that?
1: At that stage, there, at the settlement office, there was no legal action. Um, so this came from after all the settlement offers were given out. And some took the offers because they weren't in financial position to say no. Um, all the offers, so like, depending on the branch, because some branches, F&B, seem to favor more than others. Some of the branches got offered more. But uh, what we were left with was the 60 people that had the largest claims, so the ones with the biggest losses, were the ones that... Um, we're left basically out in out in the dark now. So we came together and then we um, instructed Trudy Brookman, our attorney, to, to start putting the summons together. That took us about eight months of hard work research, um, getting everyone's 2,000 items listed, valued, um, getting our legal ducks in a row, finding out more information about the Consumer Protection Act. So at, in September this year, we sent out our summons. Um, so... We're expecting uh, the replies um, on the 14th of December because f and has asked for an extension because it's quite a large document of um, information they need to go through. So at this stage, we're just waiting for F&B to do the right thing.
0: Well, Kelly, thanks so much. Uh, we have uh, Trudy Brookman, uh, as you mentioned, um, attorney representing some of these victims on the line. Uh, so let's move from Kelly to Trudy. Trudy, thanks for your time as well. Thanks for yours. <laughs> so FNB has indicated that uh, they uh, will be defending this particular matter. On what grounds? That's
2: correct. We are awaiting, we've, we've received the notice from them that they are defending the matter. What then happens in terms of the court process is that they have a period of time during which they can formulate their defences and their responses to every single paragraph of our of our summons, and they are quite a lot of those. So we are um, waiting for their plea in which they'll set out their defense. Um, that plea, as uh, Kelly has just mentioned, is due on the 14th of, of December or around that time.
0: So this has obviously raised a lot of questions for a lot of people, because I I remember hearing people say, uh, if this happens and the bank refuses to take any sort of responsibility, why are people even bothering? Why don't you just leave whatever valuables you have under the mattress in your home? Uh, Because it amounts to the same thing.
2: I must say that thought does occur, Sakina, and I'm sure it it occurred to my clients a little bit too late, unfortunately. Um, What what the legal position actually is, is that any disclaimer of liability, in other words, when the bank says, we will not be liable if your goods are stolen from our our bank vault or from our, our branch. Um, that needs to be read in the context of other laws. So we don't just take that at face value. We apply the Consumer Protection Act where that applies, and the Consumer Protection Act says, well, a clause like that is only um, valid and enforceable if it is fair and reasonable and just towards the consumer, in this case, uh, the, the bank's clients. So it's not just, it's not a simple question of they say we won't be liable and then they aren't liable. No, no, we need to look at the CPA. There's also other financial services legislation that says if you take a deposit of anything from a, from a customer, um, as a bank, then you need to take special care of that. Um, because it's not your own money. It's the bank. It's the money of your, of your customer. And then there are what we call fiduciary duties, in other words, duty a, a duty to take a special care, to put in place a special security measures, to make doubly, triply uh, sure that your staff don't assist a uh, um, brother who wants to come and steal all of these uh, very valuable goods mm. in the safety deposit boxes, etc.
0: You know, truly, I think what you're saying is so important uh, because. As consumers, as lay people who are not au fait with the law in most instances, even when it comes to just our rights as consumers, uh, many people, if you think about those who were perhaps offered no compensation, uh, I'm sure there were some people who didn't even know what their rights were in this regard because the bank would have just spread uh, that indemnity and said, you know, you signed off on this and therefore you have no recourse. But um, of those uh, customers that have come to you, and I'm glad they did uh you know were all of them offered compensation or are there amongst them those who were offered zero compensation
2: as i recall there was one or two who was offered zero but kelly can probably confirm that better than i can there were many who were offered a very low amount like five percent uh or twenty percent even i to my mind is a very low offer um
0: but how do they even determine that? How do they determine that?
2: Yeah. There was a process um, before the the summons process started where um, I think independent consultants were uh, appointed. One doesn't know how independent they were, but um, that was the idea. Um, and they evaluated the evidence that the um, consumers sent into the bank uh, trying to prove exactly what was in your safety deposit box. So how it works is that the bank um, doesn't know at any given stage, unless you've told them, and most people don't want to do that, um, exactly what is in your safety deposit box, okay? And, of course, you can go any day of the week and change what's in your safety deposit box, add something in, take something out, et cetera. So, um, so as a result, the bank requires a claimant to prove what was in your safety deposit box and what was the value of it, Um so there was a, a procedure going in that direction um, that happened before the summons. And, of course, as part of the summons, our responsibility as plaintiffs um is to prove to the bank this is what was in the safety deposit box at the time of the robbery, and that's the value. And here's a, a certificate proving it. Here's a photograph of the uh, jewellery. Um, here's a uh, purchase um proof of purchase of the grants, et cetera, etc., etc., so that we can prove that they really are, were the owners of um, whatever was
0: taken. Just a final question, um, Trudy, Uh, with regard to those who have already taken a settlement with the bank uh, out of ignorance or, you know, whatever else their reason may have been. And they are listening to this now and they're seeing the process uh, that your clients have now embarked upon. Do they have recourse? Can they go back and uh, maybe try and join in on this or start a new process of litigating against the bank? Yes,
2: certainly. Um, so, can I, so anyone who, who wants to join is most welcome. Um, they, they can simply uh, Google my name, Trudy Brookman, and, and contact me and we can um, we can add them to the, well, issue a new summons and then ask for the two matters to be joined. Um, the only issue there is that um, one must um, make your claim within three years that you realize that you have a claim against FNB. So the oldest uh, bank robbery took place in 2015 and if in 2015 you already realized I have a claim against FNB but I'm not sure how to prosecute it or I don't have the money to, or I'm too scared to tackle such a giant um, and you decide against it then three years has probably already elapsed and you may be a bit too late if you were a victim of the 2016 robberies you certainly still do have the time to, uh, to approach us But we can give that advice to to each person on a case by case basis.